Hello and welcome to Coffee Lovers Radio. I'm your weekly host, Joseph Robertson, with Coffee Lovers Magazine. Today we come to you from Conduit Coffee. I'm joined by co-host Jesse Nelson of Conduit Coffee and guest Bevan McLeod, along with occasional laugh track Scott. On today's show, we explore our SCAA experience. With the biggest coffee convention now passed, we look back and share including our mega cupping of 34 different coffees that we gathered over the course of the show. The show also features a special appearance with Mokhtar Alakanchali, owner of Mocha Mill out of Yemen, who was able to make it to SCAA to share with us all the amazing and unique coffees that he has dedicated his life to sharing with the world. His story is truly unique and amazing, as is the coffee he is sharing. Please rate and review the show on iTunes. We would love you greatly. We're also happy to receive your feedback. Email us at the show at coffeeloversradio.com. Mega cupping. Mega cupping. Uh, 34 coffees on the table today. Uh, seriously overwhelming and delicious. Absolutely overwhelming. It's really difficult to even have a proper cupping in the sense of really focusing and tasting. I actually love it's really it side way, by though. side. I, I, I actually, I mean, I really love this sort of thing just because the the experience of getting to try thirty four different coffees, five geishas, that five geishas side by side. I've never had that many. I've never had five geishas side by side either. No. Why? Why? <laughs> Lined up. <laughs> Lined up. Um, All with their white faces. Yeah, so let me think. Uh, uh, so I probably should have written down what we actually had on the table. But we had uh, three 90-plus uh, coffees, the, the Juliet, the Lichello, yep. the Percy. Um, we had two geishas from... Where were those from? Um, they were they were Carmen Estate geishas. Uh-huh. Yep, they were brought in with a little uh, collaboration with Kuma Coffee for SCAA. Let's okay. see, we had Boomtown Coffee from Houston. They're amazing Ethiopian uh, marrow. Um, oh yeah, and that then was their other Ecuador, which mm-hmm. was fantastic as well. Um, the Spotted mm-hmm. Cow Peaberry from Kenya was outstanding. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, uh, it, Silver yeah. Cup, Little Green Bean Roastery, La Colombe. Um, Tony's, Kuma. Two of them. Two Tony's, two Kuma. Yep. Oh, Ozo. Ozo Coffee. PT's. PT's Coffee. Yep. 49th Parallel. 49th Parallel. Olympia. Mm-hmm. Ladro. Tim Wendelbo. Tim Wendelbo. The Thank Yemeni you, Coffee, also from La Colombe. Um, yeah. That Papua New Guinea <coughs> from Epic. S&D. S&D. Okay. They're a big coffee sourcer mm. for large companies, but they... Anyways, thirty-four some odd coffees, <laughs> yeah, side by side. It was absolutely exquisite. I o- I always find when I do this sort of thing, like I, I really enjoy coffees from all different uh, all different ranges. Like usually in the morning, I I like something more simple and medium. Like first coffee I have in the morning, I don't really want to think about it. Usually, sometimes I do, right. but usually something like. Um, I'm gonna say the Westlake because <laughs> it's, it's something rich a little and bit chocolatey. And right, nice. I really love our Guatemala or like our, our Rwanda to a point because they're they, actually they flow yeah. really well in the morning and they're yeah. delicious, so you don't have to put a lot of thought into them. But I, w- I wouldn't want to start my day with the. Uh, um, I probably wouldn't want to start my day with the Yemeni. 
Well, I'll, I'm going to call BS on you right now because okay. I guarantee <laughs> I was start you're going to start on your boat in the morning with a bag of that 90 plus and you're going to love it. Well, that's true. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> what, okay, you're, well, saying, what guess, you're saying is absolutely true, but when you have a geisha on the table, I guess what I'm actually saying, I guess what I'm actually saying is when it, comes to a ta- when it comes to a tasting like this, <laughs> I will always drift towards the lighter, brighter, more... <laughs> For lack of a better way of explaining it, more unique, fascinating coffees. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think I, they're that unique anymore, considering we had like 25 <laughs> on the table that were all absolutely outstanding and unique and bright? I and try to keep a fresh perspective. <laughs> I mean, if... A French perspective? French. Like, like your French roast? fresh. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, a French perspective is unique. So I mean, got- it, it is it is really hard to to kind of maintain perspective when you're having the best coffees in the world, right? Because the first time you have them, they knock your socks off and destroy your perception, right? And then and the other people's time, excitement too, yeah. And the second time you have them, they're really awesome and amazing. And the fifth time, fifteenth time you have them, they're really awesome and amazing. But it's like it wasn't okay. as good as the last time. No, you know, it's I mean, like it's like you're still not even like not as good. It just. Not, not to be, yeah, I don't mean negative. About You're a it. negative Nancy. Okay. Geisha's ruined me. Oh, it's just kind of like, <laughs> oh, yeah, there's that. That's really good. But yeah. then you have the Yemeni. It's like, I've never had champagne and coffee before. I know. Something like that. And now there's nothing else that will ever be the same. But then I'll, the next time I have it, I'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, it's <laughs> still amazing. Well, that's how it is. That's the hard part about roasting as well. Just when you have something amazing you want to share with everybody and you've had it for a couple months and you're sort of over that excitement, but you still have to be overzealous when you sell it because a lot of people haven't had that. Once your socks are knocked off, they're off. Right. I don't know. I tend to put mine back on because I get excited when they're knocked off again. Hmm. Does that happen frequently? Yes. Maybe you... you Coffee's so good, you'll put your socks back on. (laughs) (laughs) Do it again. Step back into the ring. Sensing a new company. Between the coffee, the wine, and the food that I, you know, taste Mm -hmm. on a weekly basis, yeah. I get my socks knocked out frequently. Very nice. She's gone to flip-flops. Too much work. These coffees all came from SCA. We yep. had an incredible weekend this That's year. Right. This year in Seattle, um, also quite overwhelming. Yeah, uh, three. I I didn't I didn't do anything Thursday. I don't know what y'all did Thursday, but I didn't do anything on Thursday. Thursday was opening night. Um, we didn't do a lot of the convention, but we went down. We tried going. We we're just late. <clears throat> Excuse me. We we're late to uh, because of the bus service. We we're late to the meeting we we're supposed to go to. Oh. So we missed the coffee tasting. So then we just went up and hung out at the street party that they had. Mm. Literally closed off an entire street on Capitol Hill. and That's cool. It was cool. Uh, La Terra Throwdown in Victrola. Stumptown party. That was Thursday night. And then hit the ground running on Friday for the convention. Mm-hmm. I'm eating smoked salmon again. Oh, oh makes so much good smoked salmon. Well, he is. Yeah, the show this year was all business for me. I was, um... I was running around the entire show just meeting people, doing several interviews. and Right. Yeah, um, you did a good job. Building partnerships. And yeah, it felt, felt like a really good show. Um, you know, sometimes, because a, a lot of parties happen at these shows. Like in the evenings, there's the throwdowns. There's all these other 
events that happen. Right. They're very distracting from the trade show. Uh, they are. And I, I decided not to do any of them this year so that I could go to the show, do my thing the whole day, and then go home and sleep and make sure I could right. do that three days in a row. And right. I applaud that. I mean, definitely, it's hard to stay focused on it. There's so much to, yeah. between the expo and the classes and then the competition, the World Barista Competition in Seattle, and that's mm-hmm. not every day you got to go see that. Yeah. It's the first time it's been in America in five years or so. Yeah. So that's cool. Mm. It's really fun to watch that top-notch coffee and presentation. What was your favorite thing of the show? Oh, man. I, uh... Coffee? <laughs> coffee was good, yeah. I mean, the competition was cool. I really enjoyed, I mean, obviously the reunion and everything that is the show. But I have to say that the cuppings and tasting new coffees, it's fun to be in a position where we're actually very serious about buying a bunch of new coffees. Mm. So taking those cuppings seriously <laughs> was fun, um, particularly the Guatemalan booth with the third wave coffee source, and then the Yemeni coffee that your yeah. friend from the, the yeah, magazine, Mokhtar. Mokhtar. Mm-hmm. That was just a brilliant presentation, and the coffees were extraordinary. Yeah, I really should have just recorded his presentation. I was kind of uh, just enjoying listening to him tell this story. Right. <laughs> and then afterwards, I was like, oh, I should have recorded that. Right. Oh, well. Literally um, took like a 14 or 16 foot open deck boat yeah, outboard yeah, so, motor across the Red Sea to deliver the coffee samples for yeah, the presentation. Well, so the the show uh, SCAA Thursday through Sunday technically because the opening opening night was Thursday night. Yeah, and all the um, symposium and everything. I think uh, Monday of that week, Monday of last week, so just about a week ago, they were still in Yemen. Right. That was Mokhtar and uh, a couple other people. Um, my apologies for forgetting your names. Uh, so they were still in Yemen, and they had to get to Seattle for the show because they had these uh, like really specially unique coffees right. that no one's had. And so much anticipation. Like, individually and perhaps ever. <laughs> and um, he's, he's really trying to... The, the, the other thing that, that is really awesome about, about what he's doing, uh, I mean, he's, he's really pushing the farmers there. Mm-hmm. Uh, really trying to showcase the farmers to right. the world. And that's what he's telling them, and that's that's what he's doing. And um, he told me that I think it was after the show, or maybe after the, after they were at the show, sometime on Saturday, um, he the, the farmers saw through like social media or whatever that mm-hmm. he was at the show sharing their coffee. And and that that he had actually gotten out of the country to do that. Oh that wow! He had taken that boat. So so yeah. Last the 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 week ago, they're stuck in Yemen. The airports are destroyed. They think they can't get out, and they end up going to the old port of Mocha. the capital Sana'a uh-huh. that's where the mill is and from there you know I move around to the farms and I work with my hand sorters and everything's around Sana'a the capital mm-hmm. and um, I mentioned it earlier 27th of March is when the military campaign led by Saudi Arabia and 10 country coalition started mm-hmm. and so the first night they bombed the airports they closed the docks and so we were trapped there and this idea was uh, 
it was a far-fetched one, but it was the only thing we had. We were desperate. And it was great because my company, Mocha Mill, was named after that port. Yeah. It's an old forgotten port. It doesn't really, can't really take a lot of uh, huge ships. And so I had heard there was limited activity between that port and Djibouti. And so I talked to Andrew Nicholson, a buddy from Rayan Mill, and he's like, okay, let's try it out. And we drove seven hours. We made it down there. And then yeah, I have a picture up on my Facebook. Looks like a nice po- vacation, vacation postcard. We jumped on that little boat. I mean, it looks like a 24, you saw that picture. Yeah. And it had a little 40 horsepower Yamaha engine behind yeah. it. And this guy who looked confident enough to be really believe that he knew what he, was do- what he was doing. And we just said, okay, let's do this. And we crossed Red Sea on that little boat. How long did that take going across? Less than six hours. Jeez. But it was, it's a long time. I mean, when we, when we first got on the boat, we were happy. Yeah. Half hour into the ride, you know, it started sinking that we're in the middle of this ocean. The waves are crashing in, we're getting soaked with the water, and, and um, yeah, all these ideas to come into your head, these thoughts. What am I doing here? What did I chose to do? I was, you know, this guy knows what he's doing, and, um, and we, you know, we finally made it. We made it out to Djibouti, and we got to that port, and the security forces in the port made us stop, detained us for a day and a half. Mm-hmm. They were just dumbfounded that these two Americans jumped on the small boat and risk their lives to leave and then uh, you know I, the goal was to come to this conference that was the end goal for me Andrew and I and for us to be here it's really I mean I feel like I'm in a dream that I don't want to wake up from <laughs> um, and uh, so all the coffee you have here today was coffee that it was it was what you had brought on the boat with you yeah all I had was clothes on my back and two luggage bags full of 85 pounds of coffee samples and for me, those those samples were very important. It was almost a year worth of work for these coffee farmers. I, I promised them I would take it to this coffee conference, you know. And uh, it's and I talked to them a couple of days ago, and when they had found out what I did, mm-hmm. risked my life. They got they had a meeting, cooperative in Haima, and they it, it became a turning point for them. They said, you know, this guy he's he's taking us serious. He really he risked his life for our coffee, and we need to, you know, step up our game. And they're 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 really they're committed more mm-hmm. and. I mean, I'm just happy that I'm able to fulfill my promise and bring the copies here. I heard that for the Cup of Excellence events, not even half of these people come. And to see a huge room packed with that many people, you know, they were just mesmerized by, by the copies and the adventures we went through. And it really is like a dream, and I'm happy to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really excited by, by all the copies coming out of Yemen. Um, well, that will hopefully be coming out of Yemen. How, how are you, how do you think you're going to be doing that? going forward in the future like exporting like how, how does that all work with everything that's going on you know, I spoke to Andrew and he's been around longer than me in Yemen five years now when he started during the Arab Spring it was worse than it is now in, in the sense that there was a lot of ground fighting and he told me you know they closed it for you know a week two weeks and they opened it up again the port the thing is there's 25 million people who rely on that port and 80% of our food from Yemen is imported rice and barley so it's going to open and so I'm not, I'm not too worried about that and if it doesn't, we can really lose plan B and just ship it through Mocha, the old route, like how I came here. <laughs> it costs a little more to ship things out of Mocha to Djibouti, but, you know, our coffees, you know, they're still being processed. I need about another month and a half for it to be finished. They're in green pro packaging, so, I mean, by then I, I hope that uh, things calm down and I can ship these coffees over here because the uh, expression on people's faces, the reactions, you know, they had people tell me, like you said, they had never cupped a natural coffee like that or a Yemen coffee like that before, and so... 
I'm excited because a lot of the coffees that people like were my coffees. And so I hope, hope I can provide that for them. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember the the ones that I like the most, but I just I just can't. There, there's one in particular that was uh, had a lot of vanilla for me. Uh, there are a couple that are uh, like very sweet wine. Yeah, natural processed coffees, because the the sugars are on the bean longer, the mucilage, they're amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, the only problem is that it's really easy to over ferment them and to ruin them. Yeah. And so, making sure they have the right protocols and quality control. You'll produce an incredible cold coffee. That's why most of the coffees that win these Cup of Excellence competitions and Best of Panama or Brazil are usually natural processed. Mm. My consultant, Willem Boot, he, he submitted his coffees last year. The number one coffee was natural processed from his Formula Mula. His wash was number four. Interesting. Were, were any of these washed or are they all natural? No, actually, Yemen is the only coffee producer in the country that only produces natural. There's no wash in Yemen. Is that a water Also, because there's, there's no water in Yemen. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, that makes uh, sense. It's the, it's, it's the way they've been doing coffee for for centuries in Yemen. Now, all, all the coffees that we had today were they from um, all from different farms and different parts throughout Yemen, or all over Yemen. You all had over. my coffee that two from Central Yemen, the first to be shipped out of there, the Idiani and the Daini, and then you had my Hema coffee from Northwestern Yemen, twenty one hundred fifty to twenty four hundred meters above sea level, extremely high elevation. Uh, you had Izzy's from Haraz, and you had uh, Andrew's coffees from different parts of Hajja, different parts of, uh, um, let's see here, Haraz also, and uh, incredible coffees too. Uh, Idiani, is that one of the ones? Idiani, Idiani. Idiani, I really like that coffee because that, that's where my family is from, in Ib, Central Ib. So the three tables as you walk in, one, two, three, that was on the far and the end right yes that that was one of my favorites yeah the idiani coffee and that was roasted really bad today it's it has usually has a more of a thicker body and sweet honeydew like a fruit taste to it oh i could see that and it's, it was in there but it's hidden but that coffee is incredible it's from the oldest area that go coffee and it's their ordaining varietal and so it's actually the oldest cultivated varietal in the world they need ordaining varietal that coffee there was a uh, famous poet in yemen named Mutahar al-Iryani he wrote these lines about it. He said, the same valley that coffee's from, oh Yemeni coffee, oh pearls on the trees, whoever t- grows you will never taste of hunger or humiliation. And those coffees, that's what inspired him, that coffee you taste today. Wow. Well, very exciting. I uh, look forward to uh, all the work that you're doing. I'm, I'm excited. I'm very uh, honored that you were able to come today. Since you, you did my story and my podcast so long ago, and, you know, from for me being stuck in the middle of the war to coming out on the boat to for you coming to my cup and event tasting my coffees it's you know it's a that's a success in itself so thank you for coming uh, thank you for being here I'm, I'm glad that you're able to be here in one piece <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah and then they they um they brought it to Seattle, and we got to try it out. And so, it was fantastic. Yeah. It was absolutely fantastic. Absolutely um, amazing experience. Well, there were I mean, four that really stood out to me that I you know, really would love to be able to have here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, all the coffees on there are incredibly unique. Mm-hmm. 
and and a lot of flavors that I'd never experienced before. And one of the ones, so one of the ones we had today, of course, uh, roasted by La Colombe, I believe, was one of the ones on the table in there. Okay. Um, uh, there there was a a guy passing around the tubes afterwards, and I think he mentioned it was that. Um, I can't remember the full name of it. Something red. I just remember it as the red. Uh huh. Because it was the only name uh, with a color in it, and it also perfectly describes the coffee. Because <laughs> it's like blindingly bright red. Yeah. Of something. <laughs> um, it, and on the cupping table today, that one really came off as uh, champagne. Uh huh. Lots of champagne, red wine. Um, you would think you were you were drinking a red wine. Mm-hmm. Except there's no alcohol in. Yeah, no, it was amazing. It <laughs> and was uh, amazing. I recall on the cupping table, my 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 reaction was like a raspberry jam. Mm-hmm. Mm. But so, who roasted all of the samples that were at FCA? I'm not entirely what sure. It might have been La Cologne. Okay. Uh Although, I mean, like I said, that one I think was different. I I don't know if they mm-hmm. they said it was doing that. Um, Mokhtar has been working a lot with. Uh, Willem Boot hmm. and a few other people. He did a lot of work down in San Francisco. Um, so I, I don't know who roasted the samples that we cupped okay. at the show. Great. So yeah, um, actually, I have a. I talked to Mokhtar after the cupping, and I recorded an interview with him. I might cut it in on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Edit over us. Just put it. Just- <laughs> might either edit over us or I might put it at this point, if you're listening. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, we were really tired because it was, you know, the end of Saturday. Right. At the end of the two longest days. And uh, he had just come a ridiculous amount of miles <laughs> right. I know. to be there. <laughs> it's funny. It's the second time where, like... <laughs> So we're sitting there, and I'm like, oh, I'm tired. And I'm like, why am I complaining? I know. You just, you just came. You also had to take a boat after, across a body after of water. A boat across <laughs> after a, a, a seven-hour dusty ride. Yeah. Uh, to the original port of Mocha. Yeah, the original, the original port. port. Anyways, uh, yeah, I was just because when it, when I was doing the the uh, issue with him in it in January, we had a similar situation. Right where I was waiting for pictures from him and I'm sitting in my apartment in my pajamas going, where are these darn pictures? And I like your confession to him at yeah. that moment. And then he emails me and he's like, oh yeah, sorry, I've got mortar fire and rebels. <laughs> right, like at his house. <laughs> yeah, at his house. Like they hit his house. The he mortar said, fire hit his house or the neighbor's house. of the mortar shell that went through the window next to him. Right. And I'm sitting there in my pajamas. Where are my samples? Where, where I really my, don't want to drink again any coffee in the morning. Where are my samples? <laughs> I, I, I prefer something smoother and less riddled with shells and bullets. And, <laughs> can I have less blood on this? What what this whole experience with the Yemeni coffee totally brought back to memory was the was the geopolitical issue that we talked the the episode yeah. we talked about that that you know the, the when you don't care about where your food and your coffee is coming from then this kind of stuff happens you know i mean if anybody major producers really knew this story you know there would be much more like a starbucks got in there i mean you could have this incredible corporate pressure on the shelling you know that saudi arabia bombed the bombed the airport so we couldn't get out you know and this is affecting this entirely different industry you know if you don't know this story you don't know what's going into your coffee then you're not going to appreciate that first of all but 
you're also not going to, you know, stymie any of this other. One of the other things he talked about, um, which he talked about in the interview that we had in January as well, was that um, one of the biggest or the biggest cash crop there is the cut. Right. The drug there, the stimulant. Yeah. Um, And he said in his presentation on Saturday that already a number of the pharmacies (laughs) working with are tearing out their cuts and replacing them with coffee because already the coffee is more. Right. Uh, and they're proud of it. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. on social media that they're doing good things. So you know, proud of this, it. Right. Right. And oh, the before and after pictures. Yeah. That you're oh. showing of the farms and the, for the processing. And it's just, it's polka dotted red and yellow and all the, all the yeah. other rotten Sickly leaves. yellow, stuff. green, and Yeah. Orange just and, stuff that wasn't even and close all, to right. Now it's bright red. Yeah. Gorgeous red. Oh, cool. to the point where um, one of the people today during the cupping was almost, he was at the presentation and he was concerned that they might be over, over sorting their coffee. Um, because yeah. there's, you know, which I don't think is really an issue. It just, you know, there's some beauty and diversity. Yeah. But, you know, having him taste the coffee that he, uh, you know, he doesn't really, doesn't matter because it's delicious coffee. Uh, if they get to the point where their problem is oversorting, right. then they'll be in a good spot. Yeah. <laughs> right. They, right. Worry about that later. <laughs> um, yeah. Fascinating. Um, he was telling me that after having him on the cover of the January issue. Like, I guess um, the the first person to take the story was, was Dustin, who um, does the Uma Wide. <laughs> they do a lot of um, uh, stories uh, around Muslim culture, I think. And I had run across that somehow. I don't even remember how I ran across that. Uh, he had that interview, and I talked with him, and he agreed to have it in the magazine. But uh, Mokhtar said I was the first publication to carry his story, <laughs> and that he w- he got emails and contacts from people all over the world because of it. Because of your story? I guess it was in the magazine, I guess. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't even... Wait, do people listen to this podcast, too? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, no, no one's emailed me yet. I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm, I did I'm, hear that that um, CNN had picked up that story after the SCA event. Okay, that's some cool. of the, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> the, I mean, it's an amazing story. Right. Well, I know NSCA is a big deal in Seattle, and some yeah. of the other stories have been picked up, especially the Iranian uh, barista champion that came here. Yeah, first time ever. I was glad to see to he was outside the country. And I wish yeah. I had seen his performance, but it was good. I, I mean, I guess they're all online. Right. Livestream has their their yeah. archive of it. I'm sure YouTube will as well. <laughs> SCA is going to be in Atlanta next year. Okay, <clears throat> and then yeah. I believe it comes back to Seattle. Okay, for two more years or three more years. Oh. So they're kind of running the issue because Seattle's a great place to host this coffee convention because mm-hmm. it's Seattle and that's what we do. But it also runs the issue of I think fatigue. Like, you know, people aren't going to just want to keep coming back to Seattle. You, know, you don't you don't get to see any other local coffee culture. I'm not sure. Well, has it been in San Francisco? Uh, probably. Okay. You no, know, it usually just bounces around. It was yeah. in Houston the year before last. It was in Seattle last year, and then well, Houston the year before last, I think. Well, in Chicago. I thought it was Chicago the year before last. It could have been. Anybody listening can probably just go onto their computer and find this out. Sure. Email us when you find out. We'll put it on the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it on the calendar. I guess I'm putting a calendar on that. Of past SCA events. Of past events. <laughs> The calendar starts in 1998. It's going to be like an ongoing timeline of coffee culture leading up to this amazing Yemeni coffee. So I, I, um, 
I met with the, the folks from CopyCon this weekend. It's really nice. Cool. Um, they have their schedule for the rest of this year. Uh, Chicago on July 25th and San Francisco on August 19th and Los Angeles on November 14th. Um, <coughs> really exciting trying to work with them on getting it up here. Yeah. Because it should be in Seattle. Really should. I'd love to help out with that. Yeah, I We're think they, they're question. actually concerned that there wouldn't be a positive response to being here. And I, to, I, I told them I can't imagine that any roaster or cafe around here wouldn't be at no, your doorstep immediately if you said you were coming. Right. My understanding is that they're much more about the, the coffee and coffee roasters. Sort of like the Northwest Coffee Festival was much more hands-on with the coffee, not as much yeah, of a this trade is, show. This is for consumers. It's right. They call yeah. it a coffee festival. Right. Uh, yeah, it's mm. definitely not a trade show. Um, but yeah, a lot of... I mean, I think so. At the, at the New York show, you could go in and uh, have a cup of coffee from a number of different yeah, uh, roasters and cafes in the area, um, different types of brewing. You could take classes, learn how to brew better, um, that sort of thing. I'm so, sure Seattle would love that. I can't see why it wouldn't. It. It. Why it, it wouldn't? <laughs> um, the people of Seattle. <laughs> met with uh, some folks from Starbucks. That was fun. Uh, they're doing a lot of interesting things now. They are. Um, actually really excited to see what they come up with. <laughs> Do you have something to add, Scott? That was all. Okay. <laughs> what, but tell me more. What is Starbucks working on that you're excited about? Um, I mean, they're, let's see. They, I, didn't, I didn't get this from, I'm not going to say who I heard this from. Because it was in passing. Uh, but that... Uh, that the folks in Starbucks are very aware of where they sit relative to the industry and the perception that people have of their coffee and that they're very interested in working hard to change that. It's going to be hard. I think the Reserve uh, <clears throat> Cafe Roastery, you know, the special roastery they open up is right. their, you know, one of their big steps towards You know, them. I hope and that they do. I had, you know, I had some of their Ethiopian that they were serving at the... Um, at the show, and it was uh, very different from a lot of the stuff that I've had from them in the past. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely going nice. to get there. I mean, they're so large that they're never going to, they can never possibly That's, have the focus of the small farms that somebody like Conduit ourselves can have. Yeah, if because, a farm is only producing 250 pounds, right. what's a big company like Starbucks going to do? With right, that? exactly. That's irrelevant. I mean, they're roasters. Yeah. <laughs> you know, their auger system roasters hold, you know, several thousand pounds, I'm sure. Um, on the other hand, I mean, we know through the industry, people that come from Starbucks definitely have a lot of like solid training, especially with corporate structures, and you know they can follow directions usually pretty well. I mean, they don't necessarily have a lot of experience on manual machines and things like that, but they're generally pretty good employees, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and I think the more that Starbucks gets into specialty coffee, the higher level specialty coffee, and into the reserve. The more that that training reg regimen and what they're what these employees are going to have to learn about that Ethiopian that Starbucks is serving, will translate much more into the rest of the industry. So when somebody from Starbucks then can talk to you about roasting and profiles, you know because they've been a barista at Starbucks, that's going to help everybody. You know it's going to help educate it. They're definitely going to spread it a lot farther and faster than have you, you know, all been, of us can. Uh, have you all been to the their roastery reserve roastery? I hate to admit that my first time was this weekend. At, at SCA. I actually um, didn't go this weekend. I, I probably should have stopped by during... It was, it was packed. They, they had... Yeah. I mean, there was a line out the door because they had they were above their capacity. Yeah, it would have Victrola been... didn't have bouncers, but Starbucks did. <laughs> it would have been fun to just <laughs> pop in there while I was <laughs> so busy. 
Um, but uh, I've been in there before. Um, it was in the evening though, so I didn't order a coffee. Um, but I'm trying to I'm trying to remember. Do the espresso machines they have there are they their typical automatic machines that they have in the um, usual stores or no like no I didn't do I couldn't even get in that far honestly okay. um, no but they have and I'm probably wrong on this but they it looks like they have a vacuum tube system that delivers a coffee straight from the roasting room into <laughs> the hoppers oh, I saw that in the center actually I have that yeah. on, on Instagram right it's kind of cool looking so right there that's not the super automatic where it's grinding from the back of the machine automatically. No, I'm just wondering how much uh, <coughs> input the baristas there have in terms of each cup that they make. I think a fair amount. A fair amount, yeah. Yeah, I think that they're actually packing the pucks themselves and okay. doing that. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I really like all of the... It could just be the grinders for the drip machines, too. I don't know. We should edit this out. We can fill this readers in With later. accurate information? Accurate information, yeah. yeah okay. Well, perhaps <laughs> we should, find out we should do a short show from there this weekend. We could. Maybe we could run the line from the roastery and just describe all the corners that it goes around. Okay. Um, I, I wanted to, on the subject of cupping, because I think, I think especially something like this, even though it's, like, huge, I think it's, like, the perfect sort of event for people who have never done that sort of thing before. It's a great venue it? for showing off a whole lot of coffees and really yeah. showing off absolutely different ends of the spectrum from small roasters in Idaho to, you know, more well-known roasters that are on these circuits of roasting for these well-known farmers and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. And we're not sitting here scoring or trying to figure out what's best or even right. figuring out exactly what they There's so much like. curiosity. It's just, yeah, it's well, and even satisfying. The different, the different palettes, I mean, between Sean and Dean. Right. Right, you know, like, they have, I was just standing there listening to them talk about it, and they have... Very, like basically opposite palettes. Mm-hmm. It was fascinating, <laughs> you know, and you know how far that goes in terms of cupping in the industry and wh- who you know who's competing and who's you know jotting down the points. Right. I mean, they're both fantastic baristas and they're both they both know their stuff and yet their palettes are so different. Right. Hmm. And I think also, especially for new people, and we didn't have a lot of real rookies here today, but to see what you know four or five different Colombians. Even you know from the same region or something like that, might you know they all taste very different depending on yeah know, obviously really the farm, cool. but then what the roasters are doing as well. Yeah, I don't think there was um, really a coffee on the table that tasted like another coffee. No, but we started organizing by honey processed coffees and geishas. I mean, it was there's so many coffees that you could actually set up the table in different phases and and have some mm-hmm. fun with that. So yeah, if uh, if you've never done something like that before, just uh, it goes back to what we were talking about on the. I think it was the previous show about routine and everything. Mm-hmm. If you want to open your world of possibility, look for places to break your routine. and yeah, Start drinking your coffee with a spoon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>